Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome, everybody, to episode 74 of the Lunch and Learn and on season two, we have our first guest. This is a very familiar guest, uh, Maria Davis-Pierre. She was on episode 33 as well as episode 40. And we are continuing our discussion on Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, depending on when you listen to this. Hopefully you listen to this when uh, you know the episode comes out. But if you did, in July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And uh, this month we've been talking about what it means to be a black physician uh, within this month. And today we have our esteemed guest, Maria Davis-Pierre. She's going to give us uh, some detail on the therapist side, right? Like her profession in regards to just mental health awareness, especially in the minority community. And like always, if you want today's show notes, head over to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP074, or just head over to lunchlearnpod.com and you'll see all of my episodes on there. Uh, if you if you for some reason you're not listening to me on your favorite Apple Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, Switch Radio, whatever uh, you like to listen to your favorite podcast to, so uh, sit back like always, uh, get ready to empower yourself for better health here on the Lunch and Learn with Doctor Barry. This episode is brought to you by the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. In the Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, ebooks, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code EMPOWER10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto, empower yourself for better health. All right, everybody. Again, I want to again thank our guest, Maria Davis-Pierre, for uh, blessing us with another guest appearance here on the Lunch and Learn for the Lunch and Learn community. And we're going to be talking about Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Maria, thank you for uh, blessing us again on uh, the Lunch and Learn. Thank you for having me. So last week I talked about what, Minority mental health meant for me specifically in the the guise of a black physician and some of the pressure that I feel carries that I carry as a black physician and I got a lot of uh, positive feedback from last episode regarding that. So I wanted to get the therapist's opinion on just mental health in general. We talk about that a lot here on the Lunch Learn community, but just specifically the fact that we had to kind of dedicate a whole month, right? Like, why do you think in your eyes that minority mental health awareness Month is so important, right? And for those who maybe they did not catch episode thirty-three, episode forty, can you just go ahead and introduce yourself? And before we get on to the uh, first question, sure. So, like you said, I am Maria Davis Pierre. I'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida. I own two private practices. One uh, focuses on perinatal mental health within Black women, that's your postpartum depression and anxiety. And then um, my baby practice that I just started in January is Autism in Black. And that's kind of what um, I've been focusing on this year is building up 
that foundation for um, autism in black. So autism in black focuses on parents who have an autistic child, black parents who have an autistic child and supporting them through their journey, through their autism journey. Um, whether that be them just getting the diagnosis for that child or whether them having to now navigate the school system and things like that, as well as helping them, you know, through their marriage at this time. As you and I know, um, when you get a diagnosis for your child on the spectrum, the focus goes solely on the child. So we want to kind of bring back that focus to the marriage as well and have them be team players because that's only going to help, you know, throughout the autism journey. So. That's what I do. Great. So again, she's got a lot of hats. And again, she is our first guest for season two of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. And we're just kind of very thankful to have her. So again, just to kind of restart, like, why is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month so important, right? Like, again, and I I come to this question a lot, especially when we come to these types of months, these types of weeks, these types of celebrations where specifically focuses on a small population in a very broad category, like mental health awareness, right? But why is it important for us to be really focused on minority aspect of mental health awareness? Um, For me, this is just my perspective. I think that we have to have a month dedicated solely to the minority aspect of mental health. It's because that when within those who are people of color, minorities, um, generally think about mental health, they're probably thinking about their white counterparts. That's a lot of what you see in the images in the media. And I think to solely focus a month on minority mental health awareness shows that um, mental health does not discriminate, okay? It does not discriminate based on uh, race. So I think that we specifically have to have a month focused for minorities to know that, you know, it affects us just as much as anybody else. And we need to be taking care of our mental health just as much as anybody else. So when you, when you say, you know, the, the mental health affects us as a minority and as a, as a, as a therapist who's also a minority, like what are some challenges that seem to really affect our subgroup then that may affect the others? I think the biggest one is the stigmas that are associated with mental health, not only from outside of our community, but within our community. So, you know, within our community, you know, for, for black people, it's, you pray about it, you go to church and that's how you're going to deal with it. You don't speak about anything like that. And then if you do get a, a diagnosis, everybody's automatically thinking you're crazy and that's, you know, your crazy cousin and this, that, and the other. So there's a stigma that is associated with having a mental health diagnosis, having mental health needs. So I think for that, so I think that is what makes it different for us within our communities. Also, there's a culture aspect to it, meaning that when a mental health professional comes into our home or we go into their offices, um, you know, for treatment, they have to take into consideration our culture, meaning that our upbringing, you know, religion may make us react differently to what they're doing. So they're going to have taken into consideration our cultures. For instance, uh, being a Black individual, we have to deal with things 
differently than our white counterparts. So for us, we have a lot of PTSD, secondary PTSD, just from the simple fact of getting stopped by the police. So for us, that is a different thing that we have to carry around with us, that we have to be aware of, and it affects us. So, you know, therapists, white therapists um, have to, you know, make sure that they're taking these kind of things into consideration when they're treating us because so much is different for us. I, don't I, know, think. I, I, know, I know you touched on it a little bit as far as, especially in the minority community and religion. Now there's religion on, you know, you know, uh, you know white counterparts go to church, Hispanic counterparts go to church. So why does religion seem to have such a, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, such a, I guess, a, a negative influence in regards to the awareness of mental health the seeking of mental help for their mental health? Like, what, 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 where do you think the crossroads is in regard to religion and mental health treatment? Um, I wouldn't say that, um, I wouldn't use the word negative per se. I would use uh, the word powerful, has a power, uh, powerful effect on our community and, you know, the Hispanic community as well. Um, I think that for us, there is a, there's boundaries and trustworthiness. And when you are talking to someone that is outside of your trust circle, things get a little murky, especially when we have to deal with things like CPS and wondering who's going to get called on us. So that is one thing that makes us not want to readily reach out to mental health professionals. And then you add in the power powerful effect that religion has on us as a community that dates back historically is that you take your issues to God. You know, you pray about it and he's going to heal you. He's going to make those things better. So that's what you do. You kneel down and you pray and you um, go to church and you talk to God and God is going to take care of those issues for you because there's nothing that he's not going to heal you from. So I think that that is the aspect that is so powerful within our community. And what I try to, you know, help, you know, those in our community see is that, yes, God can and will do all those things. But in the same sense, God also, you know, had us professionals here to help, help you navigate through those things. So, you know, you can pray and go to therapy too. You can go Ooh, to church. I love, I love that. Can we, can, we, can we say that again? You can pray. <laughs> you can pray and you can go to therapy too. Mm, talk to them. You know, so that's what you have to realize, you know, do those things in tandem, not one alone. Now I find that as, as a physician, and I've, I've talked about this in the past where I have to deal with a lot of the mental health um, concerns, especially of my minority community, because they don't want, like you said, the stigma of going to see a therapist. What are some things that I can tell them to maybe kind of ease some of that apprehension so they don't consider themselves as crazy? Like that's a, that's a very common term they use. They say, I don't want to be, I'm not crazy, so I don't need to see a therapist. I don't have problems, so I don't need to see a therapist. Like, well, I need to see a therapist. But, oh, but hey, but doc, by the way, can you prescribe all my medications that the therapist will probably recommend? <laughs> um, the number one, I, uh, number one thing I tell clients is that sane people go to therapy, too. Um, therapy is, <laughs> does not discriminate. There are people who go to therapy that do not have a mental health diagnosis, but they just want to have that uh, neutral party to talk to and process those things to. Uh, 
through. So that is one thing that I tell clients. Another one is just just by you being a Haitian male physician, uh, kind of bringing that uh, normalcy to it has a an impact as well. Just by me being a black female therapist talking about autism so openly, talking about our child who has, um, who is autistic so openly uh, kind of brings that wall down. So when they see our faces out here and we're out here advocating for these things, it kind of brings that wall down just a little bit. So making it normal and not making it taboo in conversation, always talking about mental health and where is your mental health um, at, you know, just like you have your physicals, all your uh, patients come in for physicals, for their yearly physicals, and they're not uh, coming in and checking on their mental health. You know, you have to make sure that they're just, that they're taking care of their mental health just as much as they're taking care of their physical health, because they um, work hand in hand as well as what I tell people. A lot of times your physical issues are manifesting from mental health issues. So, you know, you have to take care of both of those. So having those conversations openly helps a lot. What, what would you say with the argument that if someone argued that said, hey, you know, I think minorities face depression much worse uh, than non-minorities, right? I think minorities face anxiety much worse than uh, non-minorities. Like, what would you say with that theory? Um... I don't have any statistics on this, but <laughs> just being a black female, I think that we do have a lot more challenges that we face day to day. And I think that those do manifest in us by anxiety and depression, but our anxiety and depression looks differently. So they don't automatically see those things in us. So I think the theory, you know, has a strong uh, foundation. I can't give you any statistics on that, but I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> so for when you say it presents differently, how does uh, how do, how how do some of these very common anxiety, depression, uh, you know, PTSD, like how do they present uh, in the minority community that you see is kind of different than the way they may present in non-minority communities? Um, one would be that, you know, people tend to think that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, aggression, you know, within, for instance, I'll use, um, stereotypes of black women, uh, aggressive, you know, loud, uh, things strong, you know, yeah, we do everything and don't have to depend on anybody. So having those stereotypes leads to anxiety and depression looking differently in us because we want to up uphold these stereotypes. So we get to do get to the point where we're doing functional depression, functional anxiety, meaning we're going to work, we're doing all these things and you're not noticing it because you know you're the pain is hidden behind that smile, but we go home and things are different. We're not interested in things that we used to do. We we go home and we sit and we we kind of you know kind of sit in that depression, sit in that anxiety stops us from doing things that we wanted to do. So we're kind of in the functionality of um, I'm doing these these day-to-day living things that I have to do to sustain my life, but in the same sense, I am in a deep, dark place. Hmm. And, these, and these are just, this is this was one number that like really hit me. I got this from the uh, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, where it says that over 70% of Black and African-American adolescents with depression, do not receive treatment for a condition. 70%. Now, 
my argument is that that's the 70% that we just happen to know of, but we're not coming out and saying, hey, I have this, hey, I have that. So I think sometimes that number may be even skewed to be a lower. I think it's probably higher. Yes, I think that across the board when it is dealing with minorities, that the numbers are inaccurate because of the stigmas within our community, because of us not uh, feeling that we can be forthright and letting people know that we're dealing with these issues. So I think the numbers are skewed across the board when it comes to minorities and mental health. Now, as I've seen in my, just my general practice, that I tend to feel more comfortable going to do a physical, right, with someone who looks like me, going to get my wellness checkup with someone who looks like me. Mm-hmm. Now, the issue that I've always heard is that there's not a lot of people who look like them when it comes to mental health and therapy. Like, what, when do you think this is true, right? Do you think that, you know, it's much easier to go talk to someone who looks like me to go, you know, really confess my, my fears with someone who looks like me versus someone who does not? And two, do you feel like there, there is this great difficulty in just finding people who do? I do think that, uh, excuse me, I do think that there is more of a letting my guard down by, you know, going to a professional that looks like me. You know, as I said, um, when I have parents talk to me and they see that I'm so forthright with talking about um, our autistic daughter and I'm a black woman and you are a Haitian male, they're like, oh, okay, so, you know, this, this is okay to talk about. So they're more open to talking about those things. They're more open to talking about depression, anxiety and stuff because they feel that I'm going to get where they're coming from because I look like them, because we have some shared experiences and shared situations. So they're more forthright in coming to me and saying, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm you know, going through because they don't have to explain you know, a lot of that background information that they would have to explain with someone who doesn't look like them. So I think that uh, that does hold true. Um, As far as the second part, no, I think that is very inaccurate. I am involved with, I can't tell you how many um, Black mental health professional groups, and we are out here. Uh, We are out here strong. You know, there's therapy for Black girls directory. There's a therapy for Black men directory. um, And you are going to find us on there. Oh, oh, I I didn't know there was a therapy for Black men. Yes, it's was um, it's new and it was developed by a Haitian female who's a colleague, and oh, I'll nice. put that information in and the. And we'll we'll definitely have both links. If uh, if you caught uh, episode seventy three, I actually did link uh, to therapy for Black girls because I was just very familiar uh, with. Is it Joy? Is that the is that the name? Yes, Dr. Yeah, Joy. Yes, yeah, so I'm very familiar with Dr. Joy, so I made sure I did link uh, her site. Uh, in uh, the show notes for last episode, but now that I know it's therapy for black men, which I'm like actually ecstatic now, um, <laughs> like that's something that I'll definitely make sure would, would be in these notes as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Mary, before we kind of let you go, can you, I know, I know we talked a little bit about kind of some of the stuff that you do uh, in, in that regards, right? Is, is there any way um, that people can reach out and get in touch with you if they need me? Yes, um, I'm all over social media. 
on Facebook, I am at Autism in BLK. On uh, Instagram and Twitter, I am at Autism in Black. You can also check me out on my website, www.autisminblack.org. And there are links there to send me an email um, and get in contact with me from there as well. All right. So again, I wanted want to again end this this episode, episode 74, uh, with just with some thoughts, especially as a physician, as a black male, as someone who's been on both sides of the, the mental health, the, the pendulum per se. And, you know, for anyone who may be listening to this and I, I don't, I always, I always, I, I say this every time we celebrate a month like this, like, I don't want you to only think about minority mental health awareness during July, right? Like it is something that we, yes, we, we put the spotlight on, in July, but remember, twelve months of the year, uh, someone out there is depressed. Twelve months of the year, someone out there is anxious. Twelve months of the year, someone out there feels that they're all alone. Uh, so I think that's that's the that's, that's a very important barometer. Like, yes, we're going to hit the spotlight like in July because we're supposed to. And that's how you're supposed to do it. Uh, but remember, this is something that uh, if you happen to listen to this episode next month and a, a year from the now, uh, understand the the incredible importance of it. Mm-hmm. And and just to add, just because you don't have a mental health diagnosis doesn't mean that you shouldn't be, you know, taking care of your mental health. It is so important for us to be aware of our mental health, aware of what triggers us, aware, being aware of the red flags of when we're getting to that point of being overwhelmed and burnt out. And we need to be taking care of ourselves and, and um pouring into ourselves and our self-care. So, you know, I'm a big advocate for self-care and taking care of ourselves, you know, taking care of our mental health. And we have to take care of our mental health just as much as we're taking our physical care of our physical health. I think we're a lot more open to taking care of our physical health and not so much worrying about our mental health, but you need to be just as big as an advocate for your mental health as you are for your physical health. And um, one way by doing that is taking care of self-care, making yourself a priority, checking in with yourself. So please make sure to be doing these things on a daily basis. Yeah, in Lunch Learning Community, I just want to again thank Maria uh, for blessing uh, season two uh, with the first guest appearance. And again, minority mental health awareness, it's important. Uh, this is something that affects a lot of people. And in fact, you know, just, you know, based off our conversation, probably affects a lot more people than even the numbers are saying. And, and that's why we want to hit, that's why we have to hit it home. That's why every July, you're going to hear me talk about minority mental health awareness. In fact, probably every month, you're probably going to hear about it almost, you know, I try to sneak it in every episode I can, uh, because I understand the importance of having your mental, uh, right. Like, like I'm just, if you, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I've started making sure the reports of my physical health uh, is correct. But I think I've always made sure my mental health is correct is because when you're in the, when you're in a grueling job, like the ones we're in, where we take in a lot of pain, we take in a lot of hurt. Like we take in a lot of the suffering that our clients, that our patients bring to us to try to offload. Uh, if you're, if you're mental uh, is in a strong foundation to be able to support that, uh, you'll be in trouble. Yes, that is that's so true. And um, just to add uh, to that piece, I do have a self-care book coming out and pre-orders start tomorrow. Um, and you can go to www.autisminblack.org slash self-care book. And you can um, pre-order that book. And it is 52 self-care 
self-care affirmations. Uh, so what it is is um, an affirmation per week. It's going to take you through a year of getting your self-care right, getting your mental health right. Um, so it's an affirmation that you work on with exercises for a whole week. So it'll take you through the year. So if you have a chance, please go to that link and pre-order your copy. Oh, perfect. And we'll definitely make sure that link is in the show notes again, autismandblack.org slash self-care book. And I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch Learner, Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today if you have not had a chance please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening if you already listen and you've already subscribed make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is and if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes always head over to lunchlearnpod.com that is lunch learnpod all in one word.com and you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode especially the one you just listened to and i'm gonna see you guys next week you guys be blessed bye